You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. The Holy Spirit who is the uniter, all right? The one who unifies, the one who brings uh, harmony uh, and unity into the body of Christ. And I want to do that, first of all, by going into the Old Testament and visiting a particular passage there that is taken from Psalm 133. And uh, I'd, I'd like to just read that to you this morning. It, it says, how good and how, how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like the precious oil that's poured out on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. And I, I just want to pick up on a couple of things here and springboard off of this passage into the main passage that I want to give you this morning. And that is this. There's a, there seems to be in Scripture a direct correlation between this idea of unity or uniting and, and harmony and that of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is the Spirit that draws us into Christ, but also draws us together as one. And it is the gifts of the Spirit, and it is the fruit of the Spirit that is at work in our lives that allows us to, to uh, defer to one another and prefer one another and, and to give of ourselves and pour out of ourselves to one another. And so there's this amazing uniting that comes in the body of Christ when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and visits us and, and loves on us and teaches us and comforts us and all, all these kinds of works that we're going to get to know about uh, as we go through this series. Now, let me tell you this. I'm a very human man. My humanity is so alive in me. Uh, I'm so very aware of my limitations. I'm so very aware that I am prone to make mistakes and to, and to mess up and, and do things that humans do, all right? Um, and I want to say to you this morning, I am so very aware that we do not know everything about the Holy Spirit. All right. And, and for some of us, the Holy Spirit has been that very mystical kind of ethereal thing out there somewhere. Um, and and it's, we find it very hard to get our hands around it and, and grapple with. That's why we are asking these hard questions and, and posing uh, them to, to ourselves and then trying to answer them together uh, with the help of one another. And as we go forward, hopefully we're all going to learn some things here. And some of us will probably change some of our theology as, as, as we go forward here, all right? Uh, but I want God to change us, not just our thinking and not just, just our believing, but literally change us, transform our lives so that we are more unified and more in harmony with one another as the body of Christ than we ever have been. Subjects like the Holy Spirit, as you look around the church today, seem to have uh, divided, perhaps oftentimes more than they have, it has brought together. Some of these themes and some of these issues in church doctrine and in theology will at times, if we allow them to, to literally divide us and set us apart. We will want to be pulled apart from others because we may believe some things a little bit different than someone else does. And I want to say to you today that this is probably one of the most diversified churches I've ever been a part of in my life, Life Church. And, uh, and we have unique people coming from so many different streams and so many different uh, backgrounds here in this church. And so there, there's already that, those, those things that kind of can, can identify us and actually maybe even a little bit separate us from time to time. 
And I want to challenge you and I that we not allow the enemy to come in in this day and divide us, but rather we become more united than we ever have been before. And that we're able to talk about these things and, and share these things and share the wrestlings that go on inside of us. And for me, one of those wrestlings is the closer I get to the Holy Spirit, sometimes the more uh, I don't understand some things. The, the closer I get to the workings of the Spirit and, and the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the church and outside the church, the, the more I sometimes wonder about some things. I was talking to someone this morning. And, and they said to me, uh, well, I do speak in tongues, but I don't speak in tongues very often. And even when I do speak in tongues, sometimes I wonder, is that really God? <laughs> some people in this church don't speak in tongues. Some do speak in tongues. That isn't an issue to divide us. Some people in this church, uh, you, you are out there operating in, in, in gifts and and, and offices and anointings and some, some of the others of you, you're not, you're not even sure about where those gifts fit in the church today. There's, there's a lot of, of area in there. I want to challenge you and I that we not let the place that we are at divide us. That we not let uh, space come in between us and others in the body here. We've always, and I say this in the, in the best sense of the word, prided ourselves in the fact that although we may believe a little bit differently about some things, we can come together under the banner of Jesus Christ as Lord, and we can love Him, we can believe in the resurrection power of Christ, and that it's for us today, and that that power, the power of the Holy Spirit, can infuse us, anoint us, equip us, empower us, and give us the courage to go out and reach the lost. And what I believe is that we are at that place where we can do that. I believe that God, by His Spirit, has been working on us within our belief system and within our relationships and within in, uh, our, our giftings so that He has brought us as a body, all right, corporately together to this point where we can go out and we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ and win lost people to Him. And there is nothing the enemy would want to do more than to destroy that. And this Bible of ours says it is very pleasant when we dwell together. When we come together in this place, it is like the Spirit at work. It is like the Spirit anointing. The anointing of the Old Testament represents the Spirit, all right? The oil represents the Spirit and the sanctifying and the setting apart and all of that kind of stuff. And Aaron represents that priestly order, that, that voice, if you will, that herald, that proclamation, that prophetic utterance of God. And he's saying, when we are together, when we dwell together, it's like that oil, that anointing running down on his head and his beard. There's something very significant about that. And so when we come together and we, we, we determine that we will not divide, but rather we will come together and we will work together and we will stand shoulder to shoulder and we will be arm in arm together, we will do something for God. But if we decide that the things that we hold dear to ourselves in our own traditions are more important than the souls of men, we will divide. We will divide in that place because the enemy will conquer us there. And so I want to challenge you and I that we start here from this place of this reality that, that the things of the Spirit are things that should unite us and they should bring us together. And there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life. And it's that, that is what we are after. We're after this blessing of God to come upon this neighborhood, this area, if you will. Life church, yes, but this cannot be about what we can get. We get it all. 
He has come to give us life and that life abundant. And that blessing, even life, is forevermore bestowed upon us when we are in unity, when we are in harmony with one another. And there is a reason why he brings us into harmony and into unity. And I would like to talk about that this morning for just a little bit. Would you turn to the book of Nehemiah with me? And let's look beginning in chapter 2 at verse 11. And I'd like to, uh, I'd like to just read here, if you will, uh, through this a little bit and then talk, uh, talk about it. Nehemiah was in the, uh, in the court, the palace of the king. And, when he, and he was serving. He, he was the cupbearer. And by that we mean that he tasted the food and the drink that, would, that the, the king would eat just prior to the king consuming it. Uh, and the idea was if someone was trying to poison the king or, 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 or kill the king, uh, then if they used poison or, or something in the food or in his drink, uh, the cupbearer would obviously die first and then it would save the king. What, what a job, huh? I mean, it's sort of like there's a, there's a great up to this job. You're living in the palace and you're eating the same food and drinking the same wine as the king, but the downside is you could die at any moment. Um, you know, but uh, this, was, this was where he was, and while he's there, and, and he and the king, it, it, would, it would seem from the scriptures that, that there was a closeness between him and, and, and the king, um, some, some, some type of intimacy there between them. And, uh, and so he gets word that the city of Jerusalem is in waste, and it grieves his heart just, just terribly. He is terribly, terribly caught by this. And so he inquires of someone, and they affirm or reaffirm that this is true, this is the case. And so he sets out to seek God and find out what is his place in this. What am I supposed to do? Jerusalem is in waste, and what, what is the implications for me? What do I do in response to what I now understand? I think we've gotten some response. I'm going to start making this applicable to us here as we go now. I think we've gotten some response when people go and they pray in the neighborhood and they walk the streets and they come by a man and he says, hey, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing God can do. If God could do anything, he would need to take care of the, of, of the, the, the child molesters and he would need to take care of the drug addicts and he would need to take care of the corner prostitutes and he would need to do this and this and this. That is a revelation to us that the, the enemy has wreaked havoc in the city. And I want to be careful here because I don't want to pin this neighborhood as a bad neighborhood. I think this is a great neighborhood. I think God has a tremendous purpose for this neighborhood. And I think it's very, very important for us to, to, to grab a hold of that. And uh, I, I was dealing with a, a man who was in this neighborhood and talking to me and he had just come out of, out of the, the penitentiary and he was talking about drug addiction, which he had been involved in, was addicted as he went into the penitentiary and served time, and, um, and consequently has since gone back into the penitentiary because of, of, of stealing stuff uh, to pay for drugs. And he did not buy his drugs in this neighborhood. He bought his drugs on the south side of Sioux Falls in the most well-established and well-developed and uh, most uh, austere neighborhood of our city. All right. So just to give you a little bit of a perspective there, okay? All right, so we're not, we're not bashing this neighborhood because God has called us to this neighborhood. We are not so pious or so proud or so arrogant or so presumptuous to think that the neighborhoods that we all drove from here this morning are without sin or without need. All right, do you understand that? We, but we, what we're understanding is that God has called us to this neighborhood. Though we may not live here, some of you yet, he has called you here, though your home is not here. 
I appreciate a pastor in this city. He, he, uh, he lives in this neighborhood. His church is on, on the very well-affluent south part of the city, but he lives right here just a few blocks from us uh, because he, he has a heart for this neighborhood. And he brought his family here and bought a home and lives here. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I admire him that, that he did that, all right? I, I remember talking with a, a pastor from Chicago, and uh, he and his wife had done very well. They have a, a huge mega church, and uh, it is inner city. And uh, they moved out into uh, the, uh, the very austere area of, of Chicago and uh, lived in a big, big, beautiful home. Uh, and uh, were, had a, a very large income due to, to this, this large megachurch in the inner city. But God spoke to his heart one day and said, Are you really, really about this area? Do you really love this part of the city? If you do, why won't you come here and stay and dwell with me? Why won't you stay with me here? And why won't you raise your children here? And why won't you educate your children here? You come and you tell these people to live and trust me and and hold on to me for their children and for their future. Uh, and then you drive out in your nice car and you go back to your nice luxury home and in your safe neighborhood and you stay there. I, I'm not advocating that any of you have to move into this neighborhood right now. Please understand that. Some of you are looking at me with great fear on your faces right now. Okay, let me, let me alleviate that. All right. What I am saying is that we have been called here. All right. And there, there's a part of us that needs to come here, and we need to put some roots down here. And we've done that in buying this building and establishing this ministry here, all right? But we're here to stay. We're not here. It's, it's not easy come, easy go, or in like a flash and out, all right? So we are here, all right? And so, so this is where Nehemiah finds himself. He finds himself realizing that the enemy has come in. And I think it's time for us as Life Church to realize that the enemy has come in. It's come into Sioux Falls. It's come in all over. And, and it's wreaked havoc, all right? The enemy has wreaked great havoc, all right? You know, by the way, that the walls in, in, in the Old Testament time, they represent strength. They represent uh, fortitude. They represent security and all these kinds of things, all right? Um, but I want you to understand something, that we are called here to build. We are called to, to restore and to reestablish. And so let's, let's look at this a little bit. It says that Nehemiah is inspecting the walls here in this particular portion, and this is his account. He says in verse 11, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool. But there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and I re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet... I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come and let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. It would be great to stop the story right there because it sounds so good at that point. He went out and surveyed. He went where, where he could ride and then he got off his mount and went where he couldn't ride. 
He went about by himself. He didn't tell anybody anything. He wasn't trying to be covert or secret in, in the bigger sense of the word. He wasn't trying to hide anything from anybody. He just went out, just, just by himself, and he began to, to check things out in, in the night and look around and just see, see what was there. And I'm telling you, when you walk the streets of this city, I'm not advocating you go out in the middle of the night, all right? But when you walk the streets of this city, some of you maybe will go out in the night. And, and, and if God leads you, then, then so be it. But be very wise about that, okay? But when we get out and we begin to look around, we'll begin to see. We'll begin to see the destruction of the enemy. We'll begin to see what the enemy has done to rob and, and ravage the lives of individuals within the area that God has called us to. And I think it's important to get out and do that. I think it, that's one of the reasons we're saying get out and, and walk these streets so that you can begin to see. I saw things yesterday afternoon walking the parameters that I would not have ever seen driving through the neighborhood. I would, I would not have ever seen them if I was only focusing on where I was getting to. I would miss it all. And it made me very aware of how many times I've drove into this neighborhood, parked my car, got out, come in this building, locked the door, stayed here, did my thing, unlocked the door, went out, locked the door behind me, got in my Jeep and drove away and never was aware of anything in this neighborhood that would grab the heart of God. Missed it. Missed it altogether. And I challenge you and I that we begin to look at the destruction of the enemy because in that place we will be gripped by God's heart. Don't be scared to look at what the enemy has done. Don't turn your eye away from what the enemy has done. Look hard into the things that the enemy has done. He's not going to possess you when you see his fruit. All right? Look and see what has happened to people. And begin to understand that, but for the grace of God, that could be me. I could be in that same place. And so he looks around and he comes back and he says, hey, we got to do something. And he begins to tell the people what he saw. And, he, and then he, he says, and, and let me tell you this. I don't want to just tell you about what's out there. I want to tell you about the good hand of God. And I, and I, I want to do that today. I, I want to tell you about the good hand of God. I want to tell you that as God began to lay this vision on my heart, and as I began to share it with, with others, they began to say, yes, I know, I understand. God's been talking to me about the same kind of thing. As I began to talk to Jack about prayer walking, Jack had been out, in, in, out west somewhere on some mountainside like he does. You know, he, he's the, the hermit guy who goes out and sits on a cliff and watches the sunrise in the morning and gets a hold of God and comes back here full of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know? So he's out there somewhere. I, I'm, I, I'm in here. I don't know why God can't take me to, to some mountain and let me see all of that, but he brings me back here in this room. And, 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 and so I, I fall on the concrete and, and begin to repent and cry and go, God, what do we got to do here? You know? And God says, first of all, I want you to take this neighborhood and I want you to, to, to get out there and start prayer walking this neighborhood. And Jack comes back and says, God, told me to, to get out in the neighborhood and start walking and and, and others of, of you can can testify of the same thing where in the last several weeks God's been been uh, really talking to you about getting in the neighborhood and about walking around and and, and, and praying and all that kind of stuff now how many times have we talked about the neighborhood how many times have we talked about reaching the neighborhood 
But we, we, went, we, we backed up and we said, well, first, let's define ourselves. Let's look at who we are. Let's look at what we're supposed to be in this neighborhood. Let's, let's find out what God has for us as, as Life Church. And as we begin to define ourselves, we begin to get a different heart even for the ministry that we would do. And all of these things have been working. So I would like to come to you this morning and say, look at the good hand of God upon us. Look what God is doing. Look what God has been doing and what God is doing. And then much like in the case of Nehemiah, the next response is up to you. It's not mine. I can't manipulate you. I can't coerce you. I can't force you. I wouldn't even try. But he says, here's the problem. Look what God has done. And the things are amazing that God did. As, as Nehemiah fasted and prayed, and that's such a key issue here. I can't go into all of this today that, that happened in, in this situation with Nehemiah. But as he saw the, 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 the heard of the destruction, he went immediately into fasting and praying and seeking God. And then he went to appeal to the king. Pastor Dave and I are going to go to some of the government leaders in this city in the very near future to talk to them about what needs to be done in this area. And that is no less spiritual because, number one, we're going to say, okay, first of all, how do we pray for you? You're our leaders. And we want you making wise decisions. But how do we as a church come into this neighborhood and take some ownership and help in this neighborhood and be, give a vital uh, uh, investment into the neighborhood? These are, these, are big, these are big things out there. We, we, we're not getting a map just to be cutesy or cheesy. The map is to help you to understand that this is who we are. We want to be confronted with our neighborhood every time we walk in here. God's good hand is upon us. But today it's in your hands. Will you unite with us? Will you make this a priority? Will you make this in a very, very real and tangible investment on your part? Will you say yes to this? Because that's what happened when he said these things to them. When he had gone out and he had looked around and he had surveyed and he, he saw what was going on. He comes back and he talks to the people. And he says, let, 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 we've we got to do this. And here's, here's, here's God's grace and his hand upon us. And I believe that that represents the move of the Spirit. God's hand upon us. It is the Spirit that has been sent to, to direct us and to guide us. And God's hand upon them, working, opening doors, and, and, and giving them the resources that they need to do this. All right, God is at work here. And he says, he says this is what God has, has done. This is what the king has said to me. And they said, let's do it. Let's get started. And so this morning, that's what I'm asking from you, is that you would get started. You would become a part of this. You would say yes to this. And, 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 and I hope that you will rally to that. But that's not the end of the story here. And so let me, let me just, we, we, I want to tell you the whole story because in verse 19 it says, but when? <laughs> oh, this is great. We've rallied together. Everybody's on it together. We're doing this thing. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and, 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 and Geshem and He's the Arab, and he heard this. They all, these are enemies, by the way, they all mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying simply this, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. And then I love this, but as far as you, enemy of God, you will have no part in this. You'll have no right to it. We're not aligning with you. We're not coming along beside you. This is, this is not for you. 
you have no place here. I want, I want you to understand something. We're going into the city. We're coming along beside the city. We're looking at schools. We're going to see how to help them. We're going to see what we can do. But I want to make this point very clear to you. And I make no apologies for this. We are not the government. And we're not going to respond as government. We're not a system of education. We're not responding as educators, though we have educators in this church. You are professional people in all, your own right, many of you. But we're not responding out of your particular profession. We are a church. We respond out of the heart of God. We carry the ultimate answer. The only appropriate message is the message of hope in Jesus Christ and Him alone and no other. We go in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what this series is all about. Empowering you. Understand the, the resource that you have available to you and then go in the name of Jesus. But we are going as a church. That is one thing we will never compromise is this identity that we have worked very diligently and long to, to establish. And nor will we undermine the principal core value of God and that is that none should perish but all should have eternal life and so whatever we do we will not compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ we will not miss an opportunity but we will not give in to to anything that would try to get us to be something that we are not we stand as life church and I want you to understand something about my heart many of you have You've seen me involved in citywide ministry. You've seen me do things on reservations. You've seen me go places and be a part of things and lead things. And, and God gave me a real heart to lead in this city and bring this city to a place uh, where, where there was greater unity than ever before. And He used this church to do that quite often and still will in the times to come. But right now in this season, I, wanna, I want you to understand my heart clearly here. All right? I am more about Life Church than I ever have been. And my focus right now is Life Church. My focus is raising this church up to be effective in this city and in this community. I'm all for you going out and being a part of anything else you want to be. I'll support you in, in what you do. Jeannie Omelin, you know, she's the charismatic maniac person, you know. She loves me so much, and I love her so much. She's involved in another ministry in the city called Regional Outpouring. She's so involved in that, and it's so in her heart, and I encourage her in what she does in that ministry, and it's wonderful, but I love it when she comes home. All right? It's great for her to go out, but I love it when she comes home. Can I talk about you for a little bit? You okay with that? Yeah. Yeah, it's too, yeah we're done. We're there. All right? We're going. Okay? Have at it. <laughs> I tell Jeannie she's a charismaniac. She's just about killed me with those flags up there on more than one occasion. I, when she comes out, I duck. Just, it's, just, it's like, you know, like a dog has been hit, you know. She comes out, and I'm like, oh, okay, where, where, where do I go here? I run, you know. I'm being a little bit facetious, but a little bit not. She has hit me with those flags, all right. So she's, yeah, she anointed me with the flags, okay. It's great, all right. 
But she, she goes out and she gets involved in stuff and she prophesies and gets prophesied to and gets the word of the Lord and she intercedes and wakes up in the middle of the night and she gets visions and she has dreams and she does all these kinds of things. A lot of those things, I don't do a whole lot, all right? It doesn't mean that I'm not spiritual or, or anything and it doesn't mean that she's crazy. It just means I don't have the same mix that she does. And she, but, but she comes to me and, and so... I, we were meeting with her in a family meeting, and, and I, just, I, I just told her, I said, Jeannie, you are. You're, you're, like, you're this charismatic person, you know. Why are you here? Why are you in life church, you know? Do you remember what you said to me? What would you say to me? It's okay to cry. I'm crying today. She said, this is my home. This place grounds me. This place grounds me. Oh. Yes. I love the prophets, but I, I love the apostles. You know, the theologians. We got to have them both. If, if, if everybody was like some of you and Jeannie, we'd be doing crazy stuff out there. We will anyway. All right? And if everybody was like Nathan, we'd all read books all day. And sit around and, and have discourse <laughs> on these many deep things of God. You get to do both. Discourse for two minutes. And you can all dance with Jeannie. She's got plenty of flags. The rest of the time, grounded, centered. All right. Do you, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? We need each other. We got to do this together. We got to be on board together. And that is what Nehemiah understood. And the people said, yeah, they got it. And they did. The enemy will come against that, though. And we've got to be able to say, this is who we are. We are the church. We are life church. We have a call to come in and help restore this neighborhood. You guys can build apartment complexes. That's great. All right? You guys can, 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 can fix the sidewalks. That's great. But we're going to restore the spiritual climate of this neighborhood. We'll come in and we'll dig holes with you. And we'll paint houses with you. And we'll mow lawns with you. You'll all go home and eat your supper. We're going to stay a while. We're going to pray. We're going to sit down and talk. Care and love. And touch people's lives. Because we're like church. That's what we do. Alright? So we love that practical side. Nehemiah had to build those walls. But do you understand? Nehemiah didn't build those walls because he wanted walls around the city because the enemy would come in. He built those walls because he didn't want the enemy to come in to the city again because he wanted the city to worship once again. The ultimate goal of building the walls and reestablishing the gates was that within the city of Jerusalem, it was peaceful to worship their God. And they could get close to their God again. What the enemy tried to do was to get people away from being close to God. Get them so afraid that they would no longer worship. And Nehemiah says, can't happen. We're going to build these walls. And something happened in that day. And that was, I believe, that the Spirit of God came upon the situation. When the people said, let's do this good work, and the enemy's assault came against it, I believe God came in and said, let me show you something. Not only are they going to build these walls, they're going to build them in record time. They're going to do something that can't be done. And they're going to do it, and I'm going to get glory for it. See, I think there's a lot of people in the church that have said that neighborhood can't be reached. That neighborhood can't be saved. And it may be some of you. 
I say to you today in the name of Jesus, this is our neighborhood. We live here. We moved in, as Pastor Dave said. Get to know your neighbors. Get to know your neighbors. It's going to take every one of us to do this. Let me take you to one more passage of Scripture. This is in the book of Acts. I'm going to begin reading, I think it's verse 23, Bobby. Okay. Peter and John had been out witnessing, been out sharing. They got accosted. The leaders, the religious people wanted to put them away. They came and they they grabbed them and they, they put them on hold. When they were released, they came back. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, meaning the people, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one, meaning Christ. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. I love this. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Hallelujah. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Filled with the Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What are they praying for? Signs, wonders, miracles, God to move, things to happen, for it to be different, for a a, a tremendous transformation to take place. They had received persecution. We're going to receive some of that in all likelihood. You're going to get somebody. We're trying to take this in a very gentle approach. But there are guys who who said to Jack, No, I don't want your God. I don't need your God. You're going to find people along the way. It's not about you, though. They're not rejecting you. And if you listen good, if you you let the Spirit open your ear to really hear, you begin to to, to get away from that whole idea of of rejection altogether, and it doesn't even play into this thing. You begin to hear their heart, their, their need, the cry that's deep inside of them, and the Spirit allows you to hear this so that you can begin to pray. And I believe if you pray for a person, God will give you a door. I believe it because I heard Jack pray. Jack, see, here's the deal. Jack went up to this person. This man says, I I, 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 no, 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 no. So, I mean, as soon as Jack said, we're just prayer walking, the guys immediately started to reject. Okay, no, no, I don't need that. I'm, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. No, I don't need that. And, 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 and Jack's just standing there. Jack is amazing. <laughs> He's just standing there. And the guy quits. This is all in a matter of seconds now, okay? But then, then, then the guy looks at Jack, and Jack looks at the guy, and it's like there's an exchange that I don't, I was petting a dog. Don't anybody freak now, okay? The guy had a little dog, and, and I was like, what do I do? So I petted the dog. <laughs> if I can pet a dog, you can walk the streets, okay? 
petting the dog, watching Jack. And the guy looks at Jack and he changes. There's a shift. And he says, I've had many tragedies. And I don't, I'm, ag I'm an agnostic. I'm not sure there's a God. We heard something. I mean, it, it gripped us. We heard something. This man's been hurt. The enemy has come in. And the enemy has separated him from God. And that is not the Father's will. And we walked away from there. And when we turned that little corner, just maybe three or four yards away, Jack started praying for him right there. God, open this man's heart to be healed by you, whatever. I, just pray. And I went, look at that. Look at that. We're in the neighborhood. We're in the neighborhood. We're here to stay. We're life church. Jesus has come to bring life, life abundant. The walls have been torn down. The gates are burned. The enemy's had a heyday. There's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of hurting people. But this is, this is the hand of our good God. He brought us in here. Got us this building. He's worked on our hearts. Has given us favor in the city. There's a doctor just up on 6th up there. She came down here the other day and talked to me in the back, back here behind the building. And she said, hey, when you're ready to do all this and you need something, you call me. She loves Jesus. Nehemiah talked to the king, and the king said, I'll call the guys and get the, get the wood out of the forest, the lumber to build the walls and the gates back. The favor of God. We've got to stop, but do you understand? God's hand is upon us. Some of you have said things to me like, you know what, I don't know what it is about this thing, but it just feels right. The good hand of God is upon us. This is the work we're called to do. Will you do it with me? Don't answer that lightly. But as we close, if you will be a part of this somehow, some way, and you'll give yourself to taking this neighborhood back, restoring this neighborhood for God, rebuilding its spiritual walls and gates, would you come and join me in the front and let me pray for you? Let's do it quickly, please. Just come. going to do this. I There's only one reason why I'm not afraid to go out there and do that. It's because I know that God is already out there. His, his favor is all over there. The goodness of the Lord is all over that place. I testify to that. I know that Dave Schwab can testify to that. I know that Ryan Lumley can testify to it. We go out there. He's there. God's already there. So I'm not afraid because he's there. He's just doing it. All he wants me to do is just make myself available. That's all that it is. That's it? That's it. That's it. <laughs> this is sweet. This is a sweet moment. 
You're making a commitment to leave your comfortable place where all of your provision is and go somewhere else to do something that's not comfortable and hard and challenging, where the enemy is, is at to mock you and ridicule you and tease you and intimidate you and try to stop you and divide you. Not everybody's going to do everything the way you would do it. It's okay. All right. We are still the body of Christ. We're in this together. All right. Let's pray. I want to commission you today for the unity of the Spirit. How will they know us? They will know us by our love. We are one in Christ. God, in the name of Jesus right now, I pray a special anointing upon every person standing here. I pray, Lord, that there is absolutely nothing that can resist us as we go forward. I pray today for an empowerment of your Holy Spirit and infusing that, that whatever words people are comfortable with today to use, that they can use them, God. But that you would just fill us, you would drench us, soak us, baptize us, anoint us, that you would give us the fullness of your Spirit even today as we go forward. And that there would be great energy, great boldness, and great courage as we go out. I pray that you would shake this place, God. Even as we come into agreement, that you would shake this place and shake us, God. And that you would, you would begin to do amazing things. That the testimonies now uh, would become testimonies of, of you coming in and changing hearts and, and, and touching lives and doing miraculous things and healing people and, 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 and doing, doing everything that the Bible says you do. And I pray, God, that we give you glory and honor. Would you just strengthen every person here? Would you give great courage to them, great boldness to them? I pray for a spirit of boldness to come upon every person standing here. Great courage, God. I pray that you ignite something in us, Lord. That we can't get away from it, God. That it, it, it does wake us up in the night, God. It, do, it, it, it causes us to turn our car around. It causes us to, 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 to pull extra dollars out of our pocket. It causes us to do whatever we need to do. But above all, it causes us to come into this neighborhood and to be a part of this thing. I pray that you unite this church as never before in unity and harmony for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.